And so I guess you could say being part of the family is like a comfort for me. For nearly 40 years, this story has given faithful service to the young in heart. Welcome to the Fangirl Hour, the podcast where we dive deep into the reasons why we love our fave fandom. Time has been powerless to put its kindly philosophy out of fashion. To those of you who have been faithful to it in return, and to the young in heart, we dedicate this podcast. Hello, fangirl fans. Thank you for listening. Today, I'm very excited because we are going to introduce our very first guest, my new friend, Stephanie Grimley. And she and I are going to chat and fangirl geek out over all the reasons we love our favorite TV show, Night Court. So knowing that this is my first time ever having a guest and recording them live. So in the playback, it may be a little rough because it's my first time. So please be patient with me, and I thank you for your understanding. I will learn and get better as I go. And now presenting Stephanie Grimley. Hi, this is Stephanie. I'm in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Tell me about yourself. Well, I just turned 42, and I have a five-year-old daughter named Sammy. Like I said, I live in Rancho Cucamonga, California. It's about 40 miles east of Los Angeles. I'm a teacher. I teach transitional kindergarten, uh, basically four-year-olds not ready, not ready to go to kindergarten yet. And so I'm around little kids all day. And then when I come home, I'm around another little kid mm-hmm. all day, all night. So it's yeah. um, n- nice to get around and talk to adults sometimes. So this yeah. is <laughs> yeah, this is nice. Yeah, no, I get it. And I, my hat goes off to you because I taught preschool and then I taught second grade and second grade and third grade. For a while, and then I was a nanny most recently mm-hmm. before the co- before the pandemic, and I like the little ones, but I yeah. substitute in a kindergarten, and yeah, it's quite a handful. And I think it's great that you're yeah. doing a TK because that's that's often necessary. It I've is, seen. and they and they're very cute, and they just they love school at this point because they have they're not jaded yet. They just they just love to come and and they're just happy. Yeah, I did. I taught second and third grade too, mm-hmm. and it just they weren't as they were getting a little, you know, a little jaded. They were kind of, you know. <laughs> we know this whole be, school be, system. Yeah. Are, and I just like the little ones are just so happy. Yeah. So what is that? Are you public school or private? Public school in um, Ontario, California. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it must be a little bit of a drive or no? Not too far? Uh, it's about 20 minutes. Yeah. We're in the suburb, suburb you know, by the, um, we have a major airport, Ontario airports near, near us, just to give people an idea of where we are. So the Ontario International Airport is kind of where we're located. You teach your daughter? Was she in your class? She was last year during the pandemic. Nice. Um, she was four, and my district is the only district around that allowed for the young TK. TK is usually anyone who turns five between September 2nd, December 2nd. Uh-huh. Some districts expand it. My uh-huh. district allows any student into TK who's going to turn five in the school year. Mm-hmm. So she was going to turn five in April. So she was allowed to enroll and be in TK. And of course I'm the only TK teacher mm-hmm. and we were going to be on distance learning anyway. So she was a part of my class mm-hmm. and I did, I taught her. And you were distance learning like on. Yes. Mm-hmm. She was next to me and you know, she had her tablet. I had my laptop and the hardest part was I had a combo class, actually, and I had to do a group of kindergartners right after my group of TKs. Mm-hmm. So she had to be kind of independent and go up to her room and do her thing. 
by herself, her, her work and stuff. And she's so incredibly independent. She takes too much after me. (laughs) She just was up in her room the entire time and she would just do her thing. And I did my thing. And, you know, is she interested in acting at all? She actually has, she has done a couple, she short films and a couple commercials and she's done a couple print ads, nothing major. She has an agent, just nothing, nothing really big and major yet, but her short film was released on YouTube a few weeks ago by a young director who's amazing. And I think she's going to be really up and coming eventually. She's gone off to film school now, but Sammy has this ability to just follow direction mm-hmm. and take direction. And she never takes a bad picture. She's just gorgeous. So yeah. we're, we're just trying to get, I'm just trying to feel like get a feel for what she may want to do. And if she wants to do it, then yeah. I'll let her do it. But, you know, she may decide she hates it. So mm-hmm. we'll just see what happens. I saw the picture on, on Twitter and mm-hmm. she was, she was adorable. She did take a good picture. Yeah. So yeah, let's 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 kind of dive into it. Why don't you yeah. tell us how we met? I think our story of how we met is kind of cute and interesting. Well, I can't remember exactly, but I do know it had something to do with Night Court. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the sad the saddest part of the year was losing two of the major cast members this year. But connecting with you over Marky's death was what I remember. But. Yeah, I grew up actually watching Night Court in reruns because yeah. obviously I was too young. When the show premiered, I was about four. <laughs> so I want to say that I, I was, was not too. watching it first run. But around nine, ten years old, I discovered the reruns and um, just became kind of obsessed. Mm-hmm. And Marky was my acting hero. I mean, I watched her and decided I wanted to be that. I wanted to be beautiful and funny and smart and all the guys loved her and she wore great clothes despite the shoulder pads. We, we overlook those, but, um, and sorry, I don't yeah. mean to interrupt, but the mullet, no. yeah, <laughs> the, the mullet, mullet, no, the mullet was not it. good. Yeah. She but rocked it, but yeah, <laughs> she wore it well. Yeah. She wore it well. I, and I remember being about 10, I think I was 10, so it would have been no, it had to have been older than that because I watched the episode where Christine had her baby in the elevator. And for some reason, I, that clicked with me. I said, oh, my God, that's hilarious. I must have been about 11 because it was from the seventh season, which was around 89, 90. So I must have been around 11. And just watching her just you, with that, the funniness of the labor part and then with, you know, John Aston as Buddy, just he just cracks me up. And the whole situation was so funny. And I said, I want to do that. I want to, I want to make people laugh like that. And I want to have that. Oh, she had a baby. Now she's showing love and gratitude toward her friends who helped her through this. And, and it's just like, it just touched me. And I was like, I want to be that. I want to do that. And that's that, that following summer is when I actually auditioned for my very first onstage production. I was actually, I bet I was, I was 12. I was 12 at the time. So that's when I made that discovery. So, so at twelve, almost thirteen, I did my first on stage show because of what I saw Marky post to. So, oh, 
It's interesting hearing you speak because it's bringing tears to my eyes because it was so <laughs> similar to mine. But I do remember, I just want to say how we met. We met on a, on Twitter, which is my first time really, I've been on Twitter for a while. Social media for me is very much more of like a business. Like this is, I check <laughs> all the boxes for, you know, the social media business and then I want to go and do other things, just not be on the computer all day. But this, this little night court community <laughs> of fans. <laughs> and then I think... I don't know if it was you or it was somebody else, but they were talking about the reboot and they're talking about Melissa Rausch and they're like, well, maybe uh -huh. she's adopted. And I was like, well, couldn't she be the daughter of Christine and Harry? And then they're like, uh -huh. well, she's too old to be that. And look at her. She's definitely right. in her forties. And I'm like, she could pass for 30 something. And I think I showed a picture and then it might yeah. have been you that have been like, yeah, you rock it. Here's me. Was it you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like she can look young. People play younger all the time. And my problem, my only problem I, in talking about the reboot was that the show ended in 92. And even if the reboot comes out next year, they, the child, even if he had her a, after the show so supposedly ended, she would only be about 30. And I was like, I have a hard time picturing a young 30-year-old judge. I mean, the whole first season was, one episode in the first season was them trying to guess Harry's age and how young he was, and he was 34. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I, and my dad was saying how there are some laws made that some judges can be younger. I mean, there's some thing in New York. I don't know. And I guess if they're going to explain it and it's going to make sense, that would be fine. They did that um, with Harry, but yeah. I was, I thought that, or, like, when we first started watching it before, I was like, how did Harry become a judge? Didn't you have to be a lawyer for a long time? <laughs> and that was, yeah, but I don't understand the legal profession, so I don't know how that works. But he was appointed. I get You get appointed mm -hmm. to be a judge. And he was the only one home on that day. And he answered the phone, so he got the job. So it's like, okay, well, that's one way to do it. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I had this fantasy in my head of, like, you know, maybe Harry and Christine got together afterward and maybe this is, and I didn't know about Marky's illness. I wish I had because I had, she followed me on Twitter last mm -hmm. year. I don't know if I mentioned that, but she followed me. Mm -hmm. My hero followed me on Twitter and I was so excited. It was last August. I just passed the one year anniversary of it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I got a little choked up, but, and I had been following and posting things and she would like stuff once in a while, but I think she, she may have been ill yeah. and she didn't go on Twitter as much yeah. as she had in the past. And, you know, if I had, I had this, when I heard about the reboot, I'm like, Oh my gosh, let's bring her back. Like on the, the, the very end of the show and she's the mother, you know, and Harry's gone, but she's, and now they're both gone. And that just tears me up. It tears mm -hmm. me up. And now I don't know how it's going to be. I know these revivals, they tend because it is a courthouse and it's the legal profession, there's a lot of revolving doors. People come in and out of the profession all the time, and that's why they're able to bring in new people and new characters. But if you're going to say it's night courts and you're going to say this is Harry Stone's daughter, you gotta have you gotta have the nostalgia, the people who made it. And they have John Larroquette, which is amazing. But they have John Larroquette, and I I totally can't wait to see him doing that. But I'm also on Twitter with Marsha Warfield. She followed me as well. Me too. 
<laughs> so I was like, I got Martha and Marky on my Twitter. But no, they, um, they were the most active right around in 2018 when Harry died. That's when I, I don't know if they ever followed my business one, but the personal one, mm-hmm. Marky was really active then. And yeah, yeah, she slowly started. She must have already been sick because it takes they a said while. It takes a while, but yeah, um, and it just got worse and worse. And she got more and more private about it. So and she, you know, that was always the kind of actress I wanted. I never wanted to be the big star actress mm-hmm. like Angelina Jolie or you know Meryl Streep, who's so well known that you can't walk down the street. And I like that she was more. She was big in the eighties. She still did stuff. But no one was going to go out of their way to, like, snap pictures, paparazzi of Marky Post. No one was, I mean, she was lucky in that respect, and she was able to keep her illness private. Because, you know, when you're sick, that sick, you don't want yeah. to yeah. have a lot of attention. Yeah, I mean, I was sick and, yesterday, and I was like, I just want to lay down and you know, not think about yeah, anything. exactly. And you don't want to, aver- and, you know, being in the public eye is bad enough. You don't need all that in the public eye. But, um... I did send her a message last year on her birthday. I know she read it because there was a check mark or someone read it. I don't know if she's checking her Twitter. But someone had mentioned on Twitter how she hadn't been around much. And I said, oh, she probably has better things to do than stay on Twitter like the, the rest of us. We have no life. But now I really wish I'd sent her a message just to say, hey. And, you know, I didn't have any fantasies of us being besties or anything. But just wanted her to know that, you know, there are people out there that, that just admire her and and were hoping the best for her yeah and that was quite devastating to wake up to that that morning yeah i Um, get it i saw the comments first on a twitter feed and i went what and i had to look it up and then it's funny how things get on twitter first and then all of a sudden i'm getting cnn notice abc notice entertainment weekly notice that you know all of the entertainment and all the news things come up right after I read it and I'm I was in shock and it was just Just, so like a couple weeks after Charles it was just like mm -hmm. it was like we were just sort of getting I was getting my feet like steady and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden like sucker punch oh you know and I don't know if if I told you right the day the night before he died I was online for some reason and I found some website and it was like some YouTube it was like the life and sad ending of Marky Post. And I was like, what? And I was like looking around for something. This was weeks ago or months. I don't know when it came out. All I could find was like, oh, she's not doing well. But I, on this one YouTube. And I was like, what? What's going on? Nothing. Uh, and the next morning I woke up and Charles Robinson died. I was like, whoa. Oh. I want to say something before we go on. I have the questions in front of me. First of all, thank you for sharing that. It brought tears to my eyes about your... Exactly what you were saying about Marky was exactly what I would think when I would watch John Larroquette. And to think that mm-hmm. me, a very like cisgender female, saw John Larroquette as Dan Fielding, who is... <laughs> you love to hate him, and you, you hate love to it. love him. You hate to love him. I mean, I'm watching it again, and he's like... He does something, and then you feel sorry for him, <laughs> you know? And I just remember That's seeing... That's the of it, though. I mean, he could do all this slimy stuff and then turn around and just be he was really good at heart but he was when it came down to he there was i look back he was not as bad as as we remember he was pretty bad but he was still like in the end he always ended up doing it but he was so comedic he is so comedic naturally Mm -hmm. and he's Mm -hmm. such a good actor and i was just like that 
that is what I want to do. And and then the other thing, and I was little like you. I we're about the same age. I'm 43 now, and my birthday's in April. So, shout out to your yeah. daughter. <laughs> yeah, April 29th. I don't know when hers is. Uh, oh, she's the eight. <laughs> okay. So yeah, she's earlier. Yeah, but still April. But I was interesting. We were your daughter's probably about the age that Night Court was. Like original yes. anchor. That's interesting. But so I was, I didn't start watching until I was like eight or nine, I think. The reruns, like 87. And it was right. on what? Back in the days, there was only like five channels that we got. Yeah. And there was this channel 11 that was basically a lot of times was ABC channel seven. But in the afternoons, it got stuff from wherever, and it barely came in. It was, like, down in San Jose, and we were in the North Bay. And so a lot of times it was very, like, grainy, almost black and white. And yet at 4.30s every day, reruns, there was Night Court. And I would watch Mm. it in grayish, like, graininess. And then I remember Mm. the couple times that I was able to watch it at, like, what was it, 9 o'clock on Wednesdays. And it was, like, brilliant color, and it was, like... It was like going. It was like Dorothy going to the Wizard of Oz. I was like, "Wow, this is what it looks like." And yeah. I, I don't. I've talked about this in previous pod, podcasts. I have a history of trauma, especially daddy issues. And my original last name was the same as Harry's. And so, mm-hmm. for something in me, as a little eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old, I would look at Harry Anderson and think, "That's what a real dad is." That's how a father should treat you. And Mm -hmm. I had that in my heart all my life. And then, of course, just like with you, I mean, I was devastated when Marky Post died. But when Harry died, the first to die, I always wished I could go to him and say to Mm -hmm. him, this is what I was. I was a little girl. And I never got that chance. And then I thought, well, maybe the next one, maybe the next one. I did get to when Harry died on Twitter. I messaged, or I didn't even message. I think I just commented on something to Marky, and she liked it. I said, you were like a family. Mm-hmm. All of you were like a family. And so it was a really, like, hard week for me to grieve yeah. the loss of Harry. I just remember it was like it hit me harder than the other two, and I don't mean to downplay either of them, but I was just so much I needed him no. as a no, little girl. attachment. Yeah, yeah and right. as a little girl, like, I didn't understand what was happening in my family, but I saw Harry, and I knew this this is what I wanted. And so I was grieving this loss and kind of thinking about it. And this is before I really started therapy for all these issues. And I remember, and I want to just say this to you because you were like, I wish I could have told Marky. And I just got this as a memory. I was in Albertsons and in my town, Harry actually lived for a while in the 70s. I live in Ashland and he lived here. He worked at Oregon Shakespeare Festival. He it's like, you can read about it. He had a roommate that I actually kind of know of, and they did stuff together. And, like, yeah, there's a history of Harry. <laughs> and Charles <laughs> Robinson acted at Oregon Shakespeare Festival, so he actually, when Charles Robinson was here, I guess Harry was in town. And uh, so there's a whole history. And I never, even in that, I never, we missed each other. It was just like, what? Yeah. But I remember, so there's a whole full-page ad uh, front page ad in the local paper. Never buy the paper, but um, I was like, I gotta buy. I I need to buy this paper. And it was it was a couple of days, and I finally got the quarters together. Whoever, because who has quarters? And I was running yeah. around looking for it, and it was already out. And I went to the Rite Aid, and they're like, "We'll go next door. Albertsons might have one." And I ran over, 
and I was digging through the newspapers and like digging through, digging through, like, you know, and it was gone and I was frantic and I was almost in tears. And this guy comes over and he goes, what's wrong? What's going on? I go, do you have like last week's newspaper? It's really important. It's got Harry Anderson on it. He means so much to me. I want that. And he goes, well, let me see. And he pulls it out. He goes, oh, this is the last one. I go, how much? I'll pay anything. He goes, just, just take it. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like treasuring this thing. Aww. And I go in line, I have to get milk. <laughs> and I go in line. I'm like, the guy said I could have this for free. And I tell her, I go, I looked up this person. I always saw like, I was, like, kind of tearful joy, right? And I was, like, I always felt like he was, like, a father image of what a father meant. And I never got to tell him. And this checker looks at me and she goes, he knows. I go, well, he's dead. She goes, he knows. And <laughs> I just want you to hear that, that what you're saying yeah. to me is Marky knows. Like, I don't know what you believe, but I kind of have the sense that there's, like, a connection and that they know. And it's just, he knows. And yeah. she knows. I hope so. I mean, it's. It's it's weird. People may think, you know, thinking this emotional about an actor is weird. And I, I grew up with a pretty normal family. You know, I had mom and dad, and they loved me, and they, had their own, they have their own issues. But everything was pretty much normal. And I just found myself in this, like, with this fantasy of not, be, not them being my parents, but just being friends with them, you know, and having that connection or acting with them. I'm really sad that I would never get to act with them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having that as, you know, like your, like kind of a father figure, I can imagine that's, that being so emotional for you. So, and I think, and I think in some, some way they, they, they do know. And, you know, just carrying on their legacy is, is what, you know, will help too so yeah. i always say like as these older generations are dying like just the other day at asner you know and the mary tyler moore show i was way too young for that but i had said earlier mary tyler moore is one of my heroes because i was diagnosed with diabetes when i was 12 mm -hmm. and as these older generations die out these younger kids are never going to know how classic and how talented these people were unless we keep sharing yeah so we have to keep sharing all these wonderful performers because, you know, otherwise, you know, they're, they're busy, you know, watching all these young, young, young people and we've got to the reality the stars alive. and all that. Yeah. <laughs> what has been the best part of being a fan of this and what is your most memorable moment? Okay. Cause I haven't talked about this yet. Like I said, I grew up, the only season of Night Court I was actually able to watch live was the last season because I had to go to bed right before it started. The eighth season was when, you know, everything was, they, they thought it was going to wrap up, you know, or they're building to the end and then they changed everything. But I remember <laughs> climbing out of my bed and going out the door and trying to listen downstairs. My parents were watching it because, of course, I couldn't hear anything. So the last season I did watch it. And then when it went off the air in May of 92, Marky went on to Hearts of Fire with John Ritter. And at that point, I had just started getting into acting. I had auditioned for the show. I had just been diagnosed with diabetes when I got tickets to go see Hearts of Fire in August of 92. I still have the ticket. <laughs> I kept the ticket. And talk about your classes, John Ritter and Marky Post. And Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, he's, he was in the... I don't remember if he was in the one that I saw the first time. I actually saw it twice. I saw once the first season and once the second season. 
but we went to an actual taping in Studio City, and you were supposed to be 16 to get in. I was nine days away from being 13, and yet they they let me in with, I mean, they didn't care. They were ushers. They were making minimum wage. They didn't care. So we went in, and the sh- I was with my mom and my grandma. They both um, indulged me and took me to a TV, my very first TV taping. And we sat in the bleachers, and I think that was when <laughs> Bill Clinton's brother's band was doing the, um, you know, because they're all friends with Harry Thomason, who was the director, and Linda Blowworth Thomason was his wife, who'd created Designing Women. So they were all kind of friends with the Clintons and everything. So their band was playing. The show started at 6 o'clock the taping this was their second episode it did not wrap up until midnight it took six hours now i've been to other tapings since then i've actually been an extra on some sitcoms and i worked as an usher for the same company that i got the tickets from nothing has ever lasted this long (laughs) this hearts of fire episode was the longest taping i've ever been to and somehow during the the taping we were able to move forward down because people were leaving and we were able to move down to the front row. And I was just this, te- this on the brink of being a teen. And I was so excited to see my hero in person. And somehow we got to talking with the warm-up guy who talks to the audience in between. And I, my mom had to, oh, she's Marky's biggest fan. Oh, my gosh, she's upset. And I was like, Mom, stop. But meanwhile, this guy was, like, talking to me about it. Like, tell me, what do you? And I was just telling him, oh, I love her. I want to be an actress like her. And somehow it, he got word to her that her biggest fan was in the audience. And at the end of the show, she came up to the, the bleachers. I was in the front row. And she said, are you Stephanie? I said, <gasps> and I don't remember anything I said. I, I honestly cannot remember most of the conversation. I just remember her sticking her hand out, shaking my hand. She said, thanks for sticking around <laughs> because it was late. And her hair was all goofy because there was a whole thing about her having, like, a, a bad hairdo or something. And um, my mom was like, um, my mom said something about, oh, it was great. Thank you. And she was like, yeah, thank you for staying. You know, you, you didn't have to have. And then she, I was wearing these earrings. She said, oh, I love your earrings. And I was like, okay, they're officially my favorite earrings now. Do you still have them? I do not. They were actually these weird plastic dangly things, and I think they broke a long time ago, but they were my favorite for a very long time. And I walked out, and if if it had been 2020 or 2021, I would have had a camera, we would have taken a selfie, it would have, there was no cameras, yeah, yeah. there was no way to document this moment, but it just, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I met my hero. And yeah, I did not get a picture. But then the next day, I wrote her a letter to say thank you. And that's when I got the autograph picture back. She sent me the autograph picture when she got my letter. I didn't even know where I wrote the letter to. This was back when you were writing letters. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how I got an address, or maybe I just wrote it to the studio. Actually, I think my parents said, yeah, just write it to the studio where they film the show because Mm -hmm. it'll get to her. Okay. And it did. It must have because she sent me a picture and I had that picture framed and it was on my wall time I was 13. So probably when I moved out of that house, but it was still in my stuff. I can't bear to get rid of it. I have it stuck away in somewhere. So yeah, that was my most memorable. And what about Mary Tyler Moore? (laughs) Did you get one from her too? I did, but I got one because I just, I I wrote her a letter Mm -hmm. and explained that I had just been diagnosed with diabetes in um, 
July of 92. So it was right before I went to Hearts of Fire, right before I turned 13. My emotions and my hormones. I mean, it was your pre, I'm 13. It was the most horrible year of my life being 13 anyway. And now here I got diabetes for the, you know, I have to start taking shots. Mm -hmm. I was underweight. So I had to start gaining weight. My doctor said, you need to eat more. You need to gain weight. So I started eighth grade feeling fat and just, yuck. So I said to my mom, I said, how am I going to be an actress if I've got diabetes? She goes, oh, well, guess what? And she turned on the Mary Tyler Moore show. This is Mary Tyler Moore. She has diabetes. So I started watching the Mary Tyler Moore show and the Dick Van Dyke show. And they became like two of my favorite shows ever. I hadn't seen them. I was 12, I mean, I was 12, 13. I had never watched these shows. And then she, my parents introduced me to them and like, this is an actress. She's diabetic. She's made it big. She's, you know, a classic television and movie actress. You can do it. And so I wrote to her. I don't know if she read it. You know, we never know if they read it or if they just have someone, you know, they just sign a picture real quick and have them send it off. But she sent that the picture came in the mail and I put it right next to my marquee picture. Nice. <laughs> Well, that's, that's, um, I think that's something you were just saying that probably really influenced you because you were saying that we have to show our kids these, these, or they'll be lost. And that's what your parents did with yeah. Mary Tyler Moore and Dick Van Dyke because, you know, they mm-hmm. were what, the 50s, 60s when they were big? Yeah. So now we're doing now, it now. Now on TV, on, right now on uh, the show, the Decades channel, they have Dick, they have Dick Van Dyke, they have Isla Lucy, they have Mary Tyler Moore, they have Newhart. They have all those things. And, you know, I'm trying to get my daughter to, I'm trying to introduce her to I Love Lucy. She's still kind of eh on that. But my niece and nephew are all into it now. They love I Love Lucy. Nice. My niece is seven. One of the greatest compliments I ever got from someone, and it wasn't even really when I was acting. I was going to be an actor when I was a kid, and I was going for it, and then some things happened in my 20s that distracted me from it, and I was miserable until I could get back to it. Hmm. But... When I was just being me in the world, somebody said, they said two things. They said, you remind me of Lucille Ball, and you also remind me of a female John Cleese. (laughs) I never asked why. Nobody ever said John Lurkett, but the Lucille Ball thing has stuck with me. I don't know who that was, but it was just like... That's a compliment. Yeah, I don't know where that, I mean, okay. (laughs) How has this fandom helped you throughout your life? I mean, for me... I was just thinking about this uh, specifically with Night Court because I started this podcast and it's been on my heart a lot. But I have, I would say I have four favorite TV shows like of all time. Like I've watched a lot, of course, throughout your life. But the ones Mm -hmm. that have like stuck out that I could say like defined a part of me. And, And it was interesting in this journey that I've been in, I've been getting back into therapy and such. And it's been kind of following the loss of these celebrities that like your childhood is dying as you were saying mm-hmm. and it's interesting to at those times like when Luke Perry died it was almost as if I went back and I was sitting with my 15 year old self and like mm-hmm. watching her just mourn the loss of this person with her and so I bought her like I started buying her all this memorabilia because I remember at the time especially as I got older I was always embarrassed of my obsession with the show because it is very like either you love it or you hate it and the people that don't like it are like how could you like that cheesy show as he he died I was able to get back into it and like buy her all these gifts and now I have like a Luke Perry doll and I'm hoping to get the rest of them at some point and I have shirts and 
I wear them around town and I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> and I have a blanket that somebody made a quilt of all like their posters. It was like honoring that 15 year old self, like giving her recognition when I mm -hmm. felt like I had ignored her for so long. And then, so it was like very healing going back. And a lot of it has been around, like right now, I'm dealing in therapy for this trauma issues like Poem Live Origin. Right now, watching Night Court, watching it from the beginning, watching it in reruns, I'm realizing how many episodes I've seen. Like almost every episode I've seen, I'm like, yeah, I remember this one. I think the last one I was like, I don't know this one, but, but it's, it's interesting because it's like family of like origin and like Harry was like that father figure. And it's like, so it's like a little, like the little girl in me is like getting healing. And then I was thinking about, I think the last fangirl hour I did was about why didn't I ever get to meet these people that are so important to me as a little girl and to grow and to heal. And now they're dying in life. We have just in life, not just in our actual death, but in life we have like deaths and then we have rebirths and it's like mm -hmm. their death is like a rebirth for them. However you want to believe that. But it's also for me, like that part of me is dying as I'm healing what that little girl was going through. And then I'm being reborn as I'm healing. And so, I, <laughs> so that's, I guess goes into my next question is how has this fandom helped you throughout your life and how have you grown because of this fandom? Well, First of all, I don't I don't always see myself as being in the fandom, but I do understand the embarrassment because there's nobody in my life that under that watched Night Court like I did. And I'm also a humongous fan of the X Files. Like I just started getting into that and I'm on Twitter with so many X Files people and I get so embarrassed to even talk about because that show went off the air this but nope, they had two seasons like three years ago, so you know. And who's the boss is another one and I had gotten into them during the pandemic again and you know all these shows that are all the new shows coming out people are saying oh have you watched this one or have you watched this one or have you watched and I go no I'm watching these old things because they're my comfort and so I guess you could say being a part of the fandom is like a comfort for me I can watch an X-Files and imagine you know Scully and Mulder being happy and not being all trauma angst I can watch Night Court and think you know oh my gosh my childhood this is I remember watching this episode on this little tv on the on this tv on the ground in my living room on the green flowered sofa you know I and it's a comfort really for me it's it's remembering good times remember when tv was actually in entertainment and not just people being idiots <laughs> Sorry, I'm not a fan of the the um, reality show stuff, but you mentioned 90210. I did have a Luke Perry and a Jason Priestley poster covering my closets when I was 13. And I remember the day my parents said I couldn't watch one of the episodes because it had to do with condoms. But I was like 11 at the time, so I kind of understand. But I was like, no, yeah! and I cried and I hugged my Luke Perry poster. I did have the Luke Perry what was it to Jason Priestley Barbie? I can't remember which one, you know, the, the one that looked like a Ken doll. So 90210 was not as big as one, the other ones, but I was, I'm with you on that one. But I do feel like I'm alone in this because that's why I go on Twitter and I, I, I message people on Twitter and I comment because there's no one in my life that understands being a f super fan of one of these shows, you know? 
people are living their lives. And I'm like, I just, I just want to see, uh, I just want to watch some more night court. I have to ask you a question about who's the boss. Who is the boss? Oh my gosh. I know that question goes around all the time. Um, I think it's, I do want, if you've ever listened to the, who's the boss podcast, no, I haven't. Um, they gave me an idea to maybe do a night court one. This was before Marky died. And I thought, Oh, maybe I could start my own podcast where I could do what they do. And their names are Tori and Kevin, and I'm going to shout out to them. So if they hear this, they'll hear their name. But they do the Who's the Boss podcast. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. And they go, they're go. they going through every single episode of Who's the Boss mm-hmm. and talking about Who's the Boss at mm-hmm. the end of each episode. And I've, I've only listened to a few. I'm not big or really on listening to podcasts. It's just because sometimes they're long, and I just don't have enough time. But I've listened to a few of theirs, and they go through every episode, every line talk about what's going on mm-hmm. and I thought wouldn't this be a, fa- a fun thing to do for Night Court mm-hmm. you start at the beginning you start at the beginning you go through every episode you talk about guest stars you talk about what's happening the trivia but I don't have the technological you know prowess to start a podcast I actually asked for uh, advice but with teaching with my daughter with mm-hmm. everything I just can't get it started but it would be fun to do and mm-hmm. so I do listen to the Who's the Boss podcast on occasion, and if I were to, if someone were to ask me gun to head, who's the boss? I'd have to say Angela. Okay. I so, mean, you know, and on Community, Abed said it was Angela. Yeah. So I, I think on the TV show, it's definitely Angela. Oh, but yeah. um, I hate to end this, but it's almost time, I and mean, we've been talking That's for an hour. Point. And how would they find you if they wanted to? Well, I'm on Twitter. Um, at Stephanie Grimley, and I'm on Instagram, Star 79 Thank you for listening to the Fangirl Hour. If you would like to geek out with us on the Fangirl Hour, please email us at cafegirlproductions at gmail.com. Thank you especially to our Cafe Girl Superstar patrons, Kathy Anderson, David Anderson, Dorothy Ninau, and David Glamour Dave Ninau. If you want to find out more about Cafe Girl Productions, head on over to www.cafegirlproductionsinc.com. If you want to support us, head on over to www.patreon.com slash cafegirlproductions. The opening theme song includes segments from the TV shows Night Court, Beverly Hills 90210, Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, and Doctor Who. The final theme song includes that of my favorite song by songwriters with a z and that is from gemendo.com thank you very much bye